Hi, I'm Xavier McFarlane, and welcome to the Catholic City Podcast from the Mary Foundation. Today's episode features Chris Mueller, the second episode in our series with young adult leaders from around the country. Chris is the coordinator of Adult Discipleship at Holy Family Catholic Church in Jacksonville, Florida, a thriving parish with a strong young adult presence that is frankly astounding to hear about in our era. We discuss the ins and outs of the ministry, including how Chris developed the ministry, some failures he encountered early on, his approach to teams, and his powerful vision for what young adult life can look like in a parish. We also talk about discipleship communities, where small, committed groups join together to share the rhythms of Catholic life. Our hope is that this conversation can help anyone, but especially young adult leaders or pastors who want to better serve the young adults in their area with meaning, truth, and a future worth striving for. If you want to learn more about Catholicism or are looking for materials to evangelize family, friends, and fellow parishioners, please visit the Mary Foundation at catholiccity.com to order our Catholic scapulars, books, booklets, medals, and best-selling novels by Bud McFarlane. Sign up for Bud's Catholic City Message, where he's been sharing profound insights, sage advice, and crazy stories for over 25 years. We are also the world's largest distributor of the Purple Scapular, given by Mary to the approved French mystic Marie-Julie Jehenny in the late 1800s. You can learn more at our website, catholiccity.com. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, doing very well. Really excited to get to chat a little bit more. Okay, so we're here with Anthony Mancini. Hello. I'm Xavier McFarland. We're both with CatholicAndAllGroups.org. And Chris is just here to chat with us and bounce back ideas and forth and whatnot. So why don't you start with just describing what your group's like? Yeah, so I'm I'm here at Holy Family in Jacksonville. So we're a parish based. I work for the parish. Um, I do full time adult discipleship. So you know the whole spectrum of adult discipleship and evangelization here. But specifically, our group is kind of comprised of uh, three different aspects. So we we meet weekly. Um, we meet weekly, just like at seven o'clock every every Thursday at seven. You know that we're going to be meeting. And normally we just meet up and have a Bible study or some sort of series, a speaker series, or, you know, something along those lines, maybe some small group discussion, depending on what the evening entails. Um, and then every fourth Thursday, we have a holy hour with a social after. So, you know, we'll have some praise and worship music, exposition, benediction, confessions, maybe some prayer teams, and then just a time where I'll provide beer and wine or, and so forth uh, to just socialize and hang out and get to know each other better and to have good, good quality time. And then finally we have a group of discipleship communities, which are more intentional, you know, kind of mid-sized communities that, um, you know, meet regularly and are focused really on evangelization and prayer and good fellowship together and really just how to build and how to live a good Catholic life. So that's kind of what the three components are. We have a couple of different things that go on, but, um, yeah, we have existed here for about probably, yeah, for about three years. There was a lot of groundwork that happened beforehand because I got the group running with one of my uh, coworkers here when we first both started in 2020, yeah, summer of 2020. And so we've been going at it for three years now. She and I worked together for the first you know, year and a half, two years, and then she moved on to youth ministry and then I kind of took over the group full time. And so, you know, it's just been a lot of 
a lot of trying things, a lot of experimentation, but a lot of yeah, good, fruitful, you know, Holy Spirit filled people and fruit that has been coming from it. So, um, yeah, so it's been it's been an incredible, incredible journey so far the past three years. But, you know, it's been it's been a great ride, great ride for sure. That's that's incredible, Chris. Uh, just so I get the structure right, it's, it sounds like you have four elements, really. Uh, you have the Bible study, which, correct me if I'm wrong, um, just trying to repeat back kind of to understand for my own sake and the sake of the listener, of course. Um, so you have three Thursdays a month that you meet for a Bible study, and that's kind of a general meeting of everybody that is in your – that considers your ministry their community, right? Yes. So that's kind of the, just like the weekly, like whoever can come weekly attends that. And that's normally, you know, pretty low key, pretty simple. I'll either, I'll give a presentation or we'll have a discussion or, you know, again, really depending on what we want to talk about. And I've kind of developed that throughout the years. Right. um, And and then make sure we hit the topics well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It sounds a lot like ours. Um, and then you have one of those Thursdays a month is a is an adoration, right? A holy hour. That is correct. Okay. Yeah, and normally for that one, it's nice because you know not everybody can come every week, but typically speaking, you know if you can't make it every week or every other week or whatever it may be, the holy hour is the one that everybody tends to come to. So that's normally a little bit bigger, more people around, and it's nice because. It's just a good time to see everybody and socialize after the prayer time. And, you know, we love to adore our Lord. It's uh, so vital. Absolutely. So that's really helpful for that at time mm-hmm. um, for those people that can't make it every week because of commitments or family things or what, what so. Sure, sure. And then um, the, the social opportunities come after every meeting or every meeting where there's a Bible study or discussion and after the adoration, right? Correct. Yeah. So we'll have, we'll normally, after we finish our Bible studies, we'll head over to a local brewery that is just down the street. Um, and then after the adoration, I'll provide some beverages and drinks and waters and snacks and so forth. Gotcha. And then we also have a team kind of on that same trail that I have a team that plans some socials. So some sports days, maybe some brewery runs, maybe some, even a service day here and there, um, just to give people other things to do besides just our normal Thursdays. And, you know, sometimes people work, you know, mm-hmm. all day on Thursday if they're a nurse or whatever. And so it's nice to have something on a Saturday or a different day of the week that people can go to. And ultimately a great opportunity, like a sports day, to invite somebody else, to invite a new person, to invite somebody who's maybe like a neighbor who's not Catholic or even a neighbor who is Catholic but might not want to get involved in a Bible study. So um, making sure we kind of hit that oh, yeah, easy definitely. access entry point definitely. with some socialization, some easy you know, sports days or whatever. And then the last and most intriguing element that you had mentioned in your, in your initial description was the, um, the, I don't even know what you call them. It's kind of a breakout group, breakout sort of, uh, pods within the ministry. Yeah. So we have a group of discipleship communities and it's kind of funny because what typically happens, and we can talk more about this as well, Mm -hmm. um, later is that once people will join a discipleship community and then typically they won't even really continue going to the Thursday, regular Thursday night group. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of funny how, I mean, some people do, some people attend both, but, um, 
because with the discipleship communities, they're really focused on developing a good, solid, smaller, like mid-sized community. But in that, really focusing on evangelization, really focusing on bringing the love of Jesus to, you know, those who don't know him, to those, you know, lukewarm Catholics or those teenagers or whoever they choose to have be their, you know, their about, target for evangelization, I guess you could say. Sure. About um, how so big it's kind of funny how it ends up, up being, how they end up go, joining the discipleship communities and then, you know, young adult nights, you know, typically loses them, but ultimately it's almost healthier because now they're entering into something more, you know, sustainable for the rest of their lives, truly. Yeah, about how big are these discipleship communities? How many people? So ours are a little bit small. We're all kind of in a, a you know, praying with inviting more people into them. Ours are all about probably about eight people each. Um, we're aiming to have it be a more about 12 to 15 um, because they're all, they're, you know, men and women coming together. And there's meant to be more mid-sized communities, like, you know, a great way that somebody described it to me is, you know, what would you do if you had, you know, five families living on the same street? How would you live your their, your life together? How would you support each other in prayer? How would you build community on your street? And so this, we're kind of trying to replicate that. It's like, okay, what can we do to, you know, develop this more communal type of Catholic life? And so we try to keep, keep them kind of mid-sized groups so that way, one, you can have smaller groups, maybe just like men getting together um, just to get together and like talk about their you know roles as husbands or fathers or whatever it may be. Like I know one of our discipleship groups, the men in that, their discipleship group all get together every Thursday morning for a coffee before they all go to work just to continue to support each other in a small group setting while still being a part of the mid-sized group that the discipleship community truly is. Yeah, for sure. Does the, um, does the, does that community, they kind of meet whenever, right? They could meet on a Thursday. They Whatever best suits mm-hmm. the 8 to 12 people that are in the group, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. So they can meet whenever. Um, we're aiming, you know, they, they meet anywhere from every week to maybe every other week, you know, depend, kind of depending on the group dynamic um, and really what kind of they set their schedule as. Because also the point of those groups is also not to just have these meeting times when you get together, but to truly like live life together so you know oh we're going to go play volleyball at the beach hey let's i'm going to send out a text to my discipleship community you know and so now maybe there's you know two stay-at-home moms in the group and we're going to text each other and say like hey you want to go to the grocery store you know so just trying to live life together and to interact with each other on an even like a very natural level versus just um having like okay we're going to attend these certain groups together and we're going to be there at seven and that's what it's going to be and we, we want that too we want that consistency because, you know, as we all know, life can get very crazy. And if we don't have something set in our schedule, you know, it's just probably going to fall to the wayside. So we have that set aspect for the discipleship communities, but then highly encouraging them to, you know, get together, to chat, to go do things together, to just live life together, um, you know, to sit next to each other at mass or have their, you know, if they have kids, have a play date at the park or what, whatever it may be. So that way they can just continue to support each other, again, not just once a week, but throughout the entire their entire life um, that they're living together, that that sounds pretty awesome. And from what you describe, very organic. Like once somebody's involved in that, it doesn't feel like they're being like their hands held or like forced fun, you know, fun fellowship and whatever. 
as the stereotype goes. How do you get people to enter into this? Do you like assign them from the main group? Is it sort of invited by a few people who start one? Can you just walk through that process? Yeah. So we have, currently we have four groups and we're actually getting another group started right now. And so it's actually kind of great just the looking at how we've done in the past and how we're doing it now. It's been a growing process. And so how myself and Josie, my coworker at the time, we did it at first was, I mean, this was probably about six months after we got the normal group going. And, you know, we had already kind of met some people who were doing things just at church or in the community. And there had been, you know, different young adult efforts even before we got there. Um, and so we had the chance. We already kind of knew a little bit of the people who are a little bit more dedicated, more, you know, not at just the entry level point of maybe living out of their faith. So we kind of picked, just chose the people that we were like, you know, they might be interested in this, got, you know, had some conversations with them, asked them if they wanted something along these lines of a committed group that you are committed to getting together with. And so the first year we just chose based on that. The second year was kind of a mixture of the normal group, you know, the people that were attending the normal Thursday nights, and then just other people that we knew that we had met just through working at the parish through um, just being together. And so, yeah, the, the second year was kind of a mixture of the two. This year ended up, the one we're starting now, it ended up being almost entirely just people from the Thursday nights. I mean, cause especially because at this point, the group has been growing so much and, you know, people have been diving into their faith more and really, you know, encountering Christ in the sacraments and in pr- daily prayer and just living the sacramental life. But people are starting to want more. And so this year we have just, I just said, like, hey, if anybody wants something like this, I kind of explained it to the, to the group, you know, to let me know and I can help you get, kind of get it started and then, you know, introduce you to other people who are involved with it. Because the older groups are now all, you know, I'd say 75% or 80% of them are married and, you know, kids, you know, a lot of kids are popping out. And so, um, you know, they're not really involved in the normal young adult group anymore. But their group really is the discipleship community as they continue to live life together, have children, you know, support each other in that, you know. Um, so it's kind of developing now. And again, at first it was hard just because the, the normal Thursday group hadn't developed a lot. We were still in the beginning stages of, you know, people coming and, you know, people were still figuring out what the group was about. And so it was really just looking around who are the people that we know who would like to dive deeper in their faith together. So how do you assign particular people from the from the wider group to a specific discipleship group? Yeah, and that was something we've been praying with a lot over the past couple of years because, you know, it's hard if you it's hard if I was taking having a small group like let's just say five or six people, even eight people and putting them together and expecting them to all just be best friends. But luckily, that's not what we're going for. And again, this is kind of why we're hoping to make it a little bit bigger, bigger than eight people, more like 12 mm-hmm. people, 15 people is because and it, with the expectation saying like, look, you're not going to necessarily be best friends with everybody in this group. Like this is not just going to be like your social group that, you know, you're all best friends with. Um, but instead, it's people coming together, oh, like surrounded by a central mission and so each kind of group that has a central, general central mission, they're all dedicated to. And so, you know, if we think about it in the, you know, different types of friendship, you know, Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas and all of them talk about, 
you know, it's really talking about that virtuous level of friendship where it's not even, it's not about the work. It's not about the fun, but really it's about coming together behind this mission of the church. Truly this true mission of the church to evangelize, to pray, to, um, again, I, I always go back to Acts 242 where the first, you know, Christians came together and dedicate themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the prayers, to the breaking of the bread and fellowship. And, you know, it was a communal thing. And so that's really what we're trying to involve is, you know, it's, you're not necessarily going to be best friends with everybody, but you're go- going to learn how to love each other in just good Christian brotherhood and sisterhood because of who you're trying to become together, because of who you're trying to um, imitate, which is Christ ultimately. And so it, if we can get behind this mission, and we've seen it with the first two that we did, the, the oldest discipleship communities, was that people that might not have necessarily been friends at first are truly way more friends than people in the normal Thursday night, even the people who click well together, just because they're surrounded. There's not just a Thursday night where there's no commitment and there's no true, you know, necessarily active mission that the people are involving. They're attending and they're receiving. But the people in the discipleship communities, it, you know, ultimately, if they're doing doing it well, are all surrounded by an active mission that they're living out. And so just the, the bonds that are created through living out an active mission kind of is much stronger than even, again, even the people who might click well together at the Thursday night group, at the normal group with, you know, 40 of their closest friends. But at the same time, it really is still a very passive receiving there and just, you know, a chance to meet people instead of a very active living out of the faith together and actual accountability be like, you know, like, Oh, Chris, like I haven't seen you at the group recently. You know, I need you like, where are you? Or maybe saying, you know, like, Oh, Chris, like how's your prayer life going? Or how is your relationship with Mary Kate, your wife going? Or, you know, those types of questions where people might not ask that and those types of questions in the general group, just because there's so many people and there's no, not as much intentional time, especially the way we have it set up just because we don't have, you know, regular small groups that meet like I know some people do. But the discipleship communities are really the place where people can, even if they, you know, might not naturally click easily to learn to love each other well and to learn how to, yeah, just just be who Christ is calling them to be and to love each other in that way. Amen. Now, obviously there's going to be problems, right. you know, right. obviously there's, you know, human sin. And, and you have a, you have a kid you know, too, don't you? But yeah. You said that at the beginning, uh, or probably before we were recording, but uh, what's your, what's your kid's name? Um, oh, Ellie. Ellie. So Ellie. And then that's my daughter. And then my wife is Mary Kate. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty great. Lovely. You know, I like them. A, I like them a little bit. Yeah, right. Kind of have to. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I guess taking it in a, in a little bit different direction. Um, thanks for that explanation. It's really good. Actually, I want to kind of yeah. come back to something on that, but not quite yet. Um, how did you end up here in this? Like, uh, on a parish staff? Like, did you? You know, you're married with a kid. I hope. I hope you can make. You know, you're making enough at the parish, as the old joke goes. You know, you don't work for the church for the money, right? <laughs> Um, but what brought you to where you are? Like, did you set out to work at a parish and start young adult groups or did you just end up there and, you know, just. Yeah. So when I was in college, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I was an English major, English lit major. And so at first I wanted to teach, I wanted to teach high school students how to write well. 
And then after kind of getting involved in that a little bit, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't think I can handle this well. And so I was just looking around and, you know, it was probably senior year, you know, spring semester. So I was like about to graduate. And uh, there were focused missionaries on our college campus. And so and focused missionaries are just missionaries that get sent to different college campuses to, you know, bring the love of Jesus Christ to the students there and to really build up discipleship. Um, and really cast vision for discipleship on these college campuses. And so the focus missionary that I was friends with, he was like, you know, Chris, why don't you, why don't you just come or, you know, see, why don't you just, you know, submit an application and see. And now I had barely, I'd been like one month of Bible studies. I had not been involved in any focus stuff or any of the events really. And so I was like, yeah, 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 sure. I'm just going to go, you know, maybe work for a nonprofit dedicated to feeding the homeless or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I signed up or I submitted my application. They got back to me and they said yes. And I was like, sure, might as well try it. And so I became a focused missionary for two years. And then I was planning on continuing just because I, as during those two years, you know, I loved working with the college students, but I really started having the desire to work with just adults. Um, like stability, like just I was really drawn to the stability adults had, just the family life, the you know the well, not necessarily the slower pace because you know so many adults have such a fast-paced lives too. But you know, with college students, I was really struggling with maybe only having you know if I met a guy and he was a senior, he was graduating and moving away and getting a job. And so uh, what really attracted me to parish life was the fact that I could meet this person. And yeah, they might move. Away way in six months or a year but generally speaking there's there are going to be these, those people who are around for 10 years 20 years you know i know people at this parish that i'm at you know have been around since it was founded and so that really was drawing me in and then i was going to stay a focused missionary but then and become a team director probably or something along those lines but then you know i met mary kate and you know when you meet a pretty girl and Sometimes you just move halfway the, across the country for her so that way y'all can get married. And so that's what I ended up doing. I moved from Texas to Florida. And, it, you know, again, this is 2020. So this is right in the middle of COVID when I was doing this. It was the summer, you know, it started in what, March. And then this is May, June when I moved over. And so I was frantically trying to find a job. But luckily, Mary Kate, the spiritual director at the time, was uh, my pastor here. And so he, you know, offered me a position because he was really looking for his vision for what he wanted was the same thing that I wanted. And so it really worked out well. And so he hired myself and then he hired my co-director to do youth ministry and young adult ministry because our pastor, Father David, he had already been kind of working at young adult ministry a little bit. He had already instituted the holy hour with the, I don't know if the social was going on after or not, um, but he had already had like a young adult holy hour kind of going monthly. And because before, you know, a year or two, several years before I got here, you know, there were groups of young adults that were really doing it well and having like Bible studies in their home and stuff like that. And so I was really, but then they kind of all almost aged out of young adults and kind of just started getting involved with regular parish life. And so there was a great, there was a kind of a lull in the life of the young adult population at Holy Family. And so Father David really took it upon himself to start to really get started with the holy hours, but that he knew that he needed to hire somebody to do it if he wanted to do it well, because he really saw the potential for what we had going, just our location, so many apartments nearby and such. Mm-hmm. Um, that then he hired us to get started and he said, you know, 
you know, well, well, obviously the three of us chatted a lot about it. They said, you know, do whatever you think is best. And, and, you know, really getting to rely on, you know, the training that focus gave, because again, I'm not like a theology major or anything. I'm not like a philosophy major. I, you know, studied English lit to teach high schoolers. And so, um, really just allowing the Holy spirit to work through our brokenness, through our mistakes, through our, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks and just allowing the Holy Spirit to move throughout that entire time and to show us where we were going astray and to show us what was actually going to work um, for our place and our parish in time. So that's really how I got involved. And then again, once my co-director, Josie, she moved on just to do youth ministry, I kind of took over the young, fully took over the young adult group and then you know, continuing to work with young adults and then all of the adults in the parish. So it's, it's been a really cool journey to look back and just see the ways the Lord has been working and to slowly but surely put me more in the place where I am personally called with my personal vocation to my personal mission that the Lord has put in front of me. So you mentioned, you know, the throwing the spaghetti against the wall. I think that's probably if there is one underlining similarity between young adult ministry the past few decades it's that experience did you have any guidance at all or was it really just sort of taking what you knew from other areas and going for it based on just basic human psychology and whatnot so we knew we wanted so we are all we knew we wanted to do the holy hours because we already had started them and we knew we wanted to be focused on the eucharist you know having that touch point every month where we could just come and you know just pray together and, you know, be, allow the silence of adoration to just enter in, you know, along with a little praise and worship music here and there. But so we knew that was going to be a key, you know, cornerstone of whatever we were doing. And then we also knew that we needed something consistent because we had been just thinking, like thinking through what we've gone through and thinking through what kind of we were reading about. I mean, because we were just kind of looking around, seeing what other people were doing. We knew that something regular was necessary of just to really especially get going is to really make sure as weekly make sure they always knew okay even if we can't make it we know if it if we're available on thursday at seven we should put it into our schedules and then make it a regular thing so we knew we wanted consistency and we wanted to kind of focus on the holy hour but to just expand from there and so from there we just started trying things like i know a lot of things that kind of we did at the beginning but really did not work out it's like oh we let's add in like a day of reflection once a month let's add in you know, a morning reflection and really would get like three people show up and some of them were just there to pray, like older people that were there to pray anyway. And so we kind of tried that once or twice and then that just, you know, fell through. We, you know, several different things we tried, you know, we'd say like, oh, we're going to do an annual gala or we're going to do a monthly yeah, morning reflection or we're going to do a monthly sports day. And then we do like one or two and they just kind of fall to the wayside because no one wanted to do it or ultimately it was too much. Um, cause I think that was what at first we really, we were, you know, really excited. And so we started trying to add too much to our calendars, but then forgetting the fact that, you know, people have jobs and people want to also hang out outside of the normal groups. And so that's when we really late leaned into the, let's just do a weekly group and then see what kind of naturally comes out of that instead of trying to force, you know, these other things. And so, you know, through those consistent Thursday nights, that's really when the kind of a group of people came by and they're like, Hey, we want to, you know, plan socials that way we can, you know, now that way we can like have these other things. And so it was through just consistently investing in Thursday night and investing in those people 
And then, you know, leaders ultimately came forth and said, like, yeah, we're going to plan a sports day every couple months or every month or a board game night or whatever it may be. And so I think that was really at the beginning what we struggled with was just trying to force too much on the community instead of letting it naturally start developing, obviously planned kind of natural development. You know, obviously we were really on the lookout for people who wanted more, for people who were, who could be leaders, you know, for people who didn't have the time really to invest, you know, put a couple hours every month into young adults, um, especially because we were full time, you know, or like, you know, it was part of our full time job. We had to really start slowly but surely look out for those people who could, you know, take up the mantle um, of young adults, you know, even though we were planning on sticking around and obviously I'm still here, but at the same time, it's, you know, instead of me trying to force things on them, just see what comes naturally up in the community, you know, with the sports days, with uh, whatever. And so, for example, I've been that first year I did like a Advent little mini retreat and now I haven't done it since, but now, there are a couple of people in the community that came up and said like, Hey, we want to do this like mini advent retreat for the young adults. And I said, great. And so now we we're doing that again this year. Um, so I think that was huge, but yeah, it was pretty much just a lot of trial and error, but we were also trying to keep up with, you know, good personal formation. So reading different books, trying to read different, you know, think, you know, books on the topic, articles, whatever it may be, our, our, Pastor Father David was pretty good about keeping us kind of updated and with different, you know, articles and books. Like there's this one book, um, I think it's called Made for Mission that we read. And then we, you know, we read, uh, now I'm blanking on what the rest of them were. But yeah, you know, looking at the resources that Focus had, you know, especially because I had a lot of them just as a Focus missionary, kind of seeing what different people in the industry, I guess you could say, were doing. Um, and also just talking with, ID intentional disciples who, you know, are kind of the ones who helped us work through the discipleship communities and really get those started. And, you know, we're still working with, um, and so it was just a lot of conversations with what people were already doing and, you know, the lessons learned from there, but then obviously a lot of us just trying to see, okay, what works well for our community and our parish. Right. The, um, the more you're describing your ministry to us, the, the more par- parallels I can see between yours and, uh, Xavier's and mine, um, namely, um, we we kind of piggybacked off of a holy hour too. Uh, there was already nice. somewhat of a, a young adult presence at uh, St. Luke's our parish um, that we were able to sort of expand on. But um, one of the things that um, I think rings true about what you said, and it was applied differently to to us. Um, Maybe slightly. Um, this this idea of having oh another parallel would be uh, meeting thurs meeting on Thursdays at seven. We do that same exact thing too, but using that meeting as sort of a baseline or um, the vehicle to um, or less of a vehicle, more of like a, a a foundation for the ministry. It's like we might not do this this fun thing that I thought of because uh, it fell flat last time, or maybe I discern that this isn't a good idea, this other idea, but you best believe we're going to be having this meeting on Thursday at 7 and then see what becomes of it. And we were fortunate enough in our case to um, – we, we got some – we were able to rely on some people in our specific ministry to do something extra 
like an event here or there, like a beach day or sports night or something like that. But we really relied on the um, Diocese of Cleveland as a whole and, and the 30 other groups to sort of provide an outlet for certain things that uh, we were lacking. Um, so more of a, a, a broader sense, a broader community we were relying on where um, it sounds like people were just stepping up in your ministry, um, which I think is great. And both both ways are, are more than valid and something that should actually be looked for, um, you know, help in your ministry. You know, the burden shouldn't be totally on the leader of the ministry to do everything. Exactly. So um that was really interesting. Uh, I do want to, Xavier and I want to touch on intentional disciples um, here in a little bit, but I wanted to um, kind of wrap up the the early stages here because um, that you had just described um, kind of how things uh, first, um, like the initial stages of the ministry. Um, so what's what's one thing that you learned in the early going that you're glad you implemented to this day? And you might have already touched on this a little bit, but if you would be more explicit. Yeah, I say, again, that's kind of what you were already saying. is like, okay, this consistency of every Thursday, this consistency of like, you know, no matter what we're doing, you know, every Thursday we're going to be getting together for whatever reason. You know, even if they are kind of a little bit different, like the Holy Hour, the Bible study, or maybe we're not even doing a Bible study for the next, you know, quarter. Maybe we're doing, you know, evangelization series of the summer, but... You know, something where we know that every Thursday, so that consistency was, you know, absolutely necessary, absolutely, you know, again, as we were just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping mm-hmm. other stuff worked. But, um, yeah, just knowing that we were always going to get together, always going to be there, and that no matter what, this was going to be a core aspect of what we were doing. How about something that you wish you could change? Yeah, I was thinking about kind of this as I was, you know, I'm reviewing some notes that I made and um, and I think it was going to, I think it really was just instead of me trying to force things and I can explain this a little bit more of just allowing the spirit to do what the spirit does. And what I mean by that is like, you know, in my life, I try to force a lot of things to happen, mm-hmm. you know, in my personal life and my spiritual life and my I can empathize you know, with that. every, yeah. <laughs> and every sort of life. I just, because, you know, I want to make something happen. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to just try to force it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to try to, and you know, this is, this is one good reason why I married my wife because uh, she is good at telling me, Chris, you really need to just stop and slow down. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, not like this. The timing is not right. And I think that's the biggest thing is knowing that some things, yeah, maybe one day it'll happen, but sometimes just the timing is not right. The plan is not like the things that I might have going on in my mind is not the will of the Lord is not the plan the Lord has for the parish and the group. And so I'd say, you know, keeping, you know, pray, really diving into prayer, really trying to, you know, keep up with the Holy Spirit and like ask the Holy Spirit, like, you know, is this something that we actually should do? Or am I really just trying to do something for the sake of doing something? Because it might work. So, you know, now at the same time, there's a balance there because, you know, you could be stuck, you know, people say all the time that, you know, since people started discerning, you know, no one made a decision since then or whatever people say like in those lines. So, you know, obviously being willing to like say like, okay, I'm going to pray about this for the next two weeks. And then I'm at the end of those two weeks, I'm going to make a decision if I'm going to do it or not. And then I'm going to move on, you know, whatever that decision is, I'll move on until the Holy Spirit brings it back up. 
And so that I'd say really trying to stop controlling everything and forcing things because again, I, we did that a lot and I did that. I've done that a lot over the last, you know, a couple of years. And that's, and even with inviting people to do certain leadership roles or certain ministries or certain, you know, not just trying to fill places with warm bodies, but even to really discern well with, okay, what is this person's personal vocation right now here? Like they're, okay. So they're, you know, created by God and they were named by God and they're called to be holy and they're called to do, you know, be his son or daughter and they have a certain mission. Is this position that I want to fill a part of their mission? And is it like, you know, leaning into their skill sets? Is it leaning into their charisms? Is it leaning into their desires? Because I, a lot of times I've tried to fill positions just because I have willing bodies. But at the same time, it's like, while it might have worked okay, it would have worked way better if I just prayed longer with different people and said, no, like, you know, this is not even what you want to do. This is not even where your skill set is. This is not, you know, where you're called to be. You, you're called to be over here, you know, through our discernment process and prayer process. And even if that means my, you know, leadership position maybe doesn't get filled for another month or two, you know, what's a month or two of waiting when, you know, I could have, you know, I could have put the wrong person there who isn't good at their job or who doesn't even want to be there. And maybe even luckily this hasn't really happened for us, but maybe even caused more harm than good in whatever they were doing. So I think me trying to force myself, you know, with events, but also just with putting people where they weren't called to be and being learning as myself, as a leader, learning how to pray with people and discern with people and be open with people and have honest conversations about where they're called to, where they feel called to, but also, you know, with matching out with the needs of the ministry, because I've definitely placed people in different positions and then, you know, it's not where they were called to be probably. But um, luckily, the Lord is very merciful and works with us on that. But right. I'd say that was the first, that was the biggest thing that I learned over the beginning section was, especially with the people I realized, was making sure that I was actually praying with them with an ongoing conversation, looking at their gifts, looking at their columns, looking at their desires, and placing them in the correct spot and not just in a place that I need to be filled. Okay. That Yeah, that's that's really big. We We had a run-in where we essentially completely flopped with asking for help. We sort of just presented a laundry list of all the stuff we did with the ministry. And we're like, hey, does anybody want to step up? And it was just crickets because it was like, you know, people have specific things they are good at and things they like doing. But Mm -hmm. sometimes you you can't just expect the, the marbles to fall into place. But at the same time, I get like the, I guess that was our mistake, and it sounds like your mistake was trying to like force the marbles into places. I don't know why I pick exactly. marbles. I've never forced a marble before. I did have a question about something <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. It sounds like your main Thursday group, everybody does the same thing when you meet. Like it's one big thing, project, activity. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's correct. That's different than our format. I know format, you know, it's going to vary in terms of format depending on the group and whatever. But we split off into small discussion groups where we have, you know, three or four people lead a discussion on a given topic or a prayer thing. Why do you go with the one big thing? Have you ever thought of small, smaller groups at your Thursday meeting? And because one, one, one of our reasonings is it's, it's a more intimate setting and you're more likely to actually 
like get a word in a discussion or have a real conversation that's not, you know, the high school Socratic seminar where everybody just nods. Yeah. So at first what we would do is, and this is something I might even actually go back to, um, is like we would have some sort of like a video or a presentation or like a Bible study where we would kind of then, you know, have the, like the presentation or the video and then split into small groups after that and then meet for the next, like the second half or the, you know, what it, maybe it was a 15 minute video and then 45 minutes of discussion. Um, recently what we've been doing is just a longer form, not almost like a lecture, just so that way we could dock because what we were running into that kind of the community was really feeling was we weren't getting very, like we kind of, our formation wasn't what it needed, to, what we wanted it to be, not needed to be, but really we wanted to be able to go a little bit deeper into and specifically scripture because there was kind of a general lack of understanding of scripture. And so the past six months probably have been uh, diving deeper into, you know, books of the Bible. So we did a, a Bible study just where we walked through the gospel of Mark and then we walked through Ephesians and then we're currently walking through Philippians and the reason we're doing that currently is just that way we can do a much deeper dive formation intellectually and really see the heart of St. Paul when he's writing this. Um, so that way, I think we will go back to some sort of, I, and I haven't decided the format yet, what we're going to go back to. But once we go through, you know, a couple of Paul's letters, we've gone through the gospel and maybe we'll do an Old Testament series on, uh, you know, whether it's the story of salvation in the Old Testament or King David or something once we have a better general understanding of scripture and of the story of salvation and of, you know, the new Testament letters, then going back to a more Bible study, let's talk about it, uh, session. And so that really just kind of came from noticing how we needed to dive deeper into scripture. And because I had the ability and the time to be able to do a deeper dive, um, then maybe certain people in the community. And luckily we had a couple of people in the community who are teaching theology the high school. And so they were able to do like a, a deep dive series on, you know, the miracles of Jesus and the gospel of Mark or whatever it might've been. Um, so currently we're, that's the format is like a, like almost like a lecture where we can kind of then dive deeply into a topic or into a chapter. Um, like right now we're just doing every week, we just do one chapter of one of Paul's letters and like go th walk through the love letter slowly. But I think pretty soon we're going to go back to a more, discussion heavy group just and then start switching in between them that way we can have like the deeper formation and the deeper um dive into topics but then still have the conversation aspect because i think there's a lot of value in the smaller group discussion obviously and so um i think we're going to start maybe every other series here pretty soon maybe every other month switching between those two that way we can kind of continue to bear the deeper dive fruit, but then while also then developing more of the conversation, more community uh, discussion and part of the part of the group. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, again, we'll probably go back to small groups, but yeah, just it, it was just a season where we knew we needed to dive deeper. And I really discerned that we needed to dive deeper specifically into scripture, just so that way we could, you know, really learn how to love scripture even more than um, just like a general Bible study that I was used to leading. That's really fascinating to me because it sounds like all the magic happens in those intention in, in those discipleship groups. 
Like mm-hmm. people, yeah, it's it's really that where people uh, live their life for Christ in pursuit of Christ, and it's almost like the Thursday meetings they they serve in in, in a crucial function in your ministry, but it's it's almost like a funnel for people. It's like we're meeting uh, we're meeting every Thursday. Come to that if you're new, and then you get sort of introduced to everybody, maybe not as intimate as you'd like, but if, if it's something that you're interested in, then you come a few times and then you get put into a discipleship group. And that's where you really form your faith into something semi near where it's supposed to be, you know? Am I, yeah. Am I, yeah. Go ahead. Is that kind of uh, an accurate description? Yeah. So yeah, I'd say Thursday nights are really our time just to come and like meet some new people. Yeah. Again, have some formation, have some Bible study or whatever, just social building up social and then like socialization. But, and, and you're very correct with the, and, but with the addition of like, yeah, there's certain amount of people are being funneled into discipleship groups where that's really going to be there where they live their life. Um, but then in addition to that, really funneling people in, like, for example, like not everybody's going to even want to be a part of a discipleship community, mm-hmm. but they might be interested then in kind of funneling into the men's ministry we're getting going at Holy Family. So we started like a new men's ministry here where it is, you know, people from like, I think the other day we had a 20 year old all the way up to a 93 year old, you know, different types of things. Like, so having several different areas where they can kind of funnel into that way they can, again, really looking at their personal vocation of where they're called to be. Right. And like, for example, one of our couples, they're, they're, you know, married without kids and they're serving in the youth ministry. Like they would, they would come to Thursday nights, but then they really started hearing the call to then, you know, go to the youth ministry every week and really serve in leadership there and grow in the community there with the core team. And so really my goal with Thursday nights is to really help one, yes, be a place for socialization, for meeting people, especially, you know, it's hard to meet people like-minded necessarily, you know, in different areas of life, but to really be able to come, similar age people, similar beliefs, you know, because we're all Catholic for the most part, and then, you know, really get to meet each other and socialize and have some learning, but then to have, like you said, be a funnel into, okay, what other areas am I called to then live my life truly? Because, you know, we all know eventually we're all going to age out of young adult life because, mm-hmm. you know, we won't be a young adult anymore. And yeah. what I've seen a lot of is, you know, especially once we start having kids, people start having kids, they might stick around for a little bit in the young adult night, but then maybe then they'll come just to the holy hour. And then I, you know, maybe I then won't see them on Thursday nights anymore. And so really having it be a good funnel into the different areas of parish life where then they can truly live their life as a Catholic as a couple, as a family, you know, whatever it may be, as they're, you know, eventually going to age out of young adult ministry. Because I think that was one of, kind of going back to the previous question, one of the biggest things I've learned, even just kind of realized at least re- more recently, is the fact that, you know, the young adult group is not the end-all, be-all. Because, again, one day, everybody's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Like, I looked up the other day, and I was like, wow. Like, I don't recognize half, I mean, I recognize them because I've been here every week, but I don't really actually like know half the people here just because they're all new. Like right. half the people are new based after the past year. And I haven't had the chance to be able to get to know all of them. Like I did the first, you know, wave of people. Mm-hmm. And so realizing for me that, okay, yeah, how can I set this up where 
once they decide they're no, they're going to stop going to young adult night for whatever reason, for family reasons, for, you know, vocational reasons, whatever it may be, that's in there getting plugged into the, the group that they can be a part of or the people that they can be a part of for the long haul. And that's what my goal really is for the discipleship communities. Like you said, is to be one of those main places where they can then go. And then, you know, as they're having families grow, have their kids grow up together, you know, and, but then have it be more than just a play group, but have it also be a place where they can grow in, in the spiritual life, grow together in good Catholic community, you know, as, yeah. Um, you know, really focusing, being able to focus on that and focus on the fact that, you know, we're all called to evangelize in every, you know, in everyday life, not just, you know, and that means more than just, you know, taking up a leadership position or whatever group, but truly bringing the love of Christ to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers, to, you know, whoever it may be that we interact with. What's your, what's your men's ministry called there in, um, Holy Family? So it's not, it's just right now it's just kind of called like the men's ministry or men's group. You but, should look um, into, kind of, yeah, you should look into uh, the good. King's Men. Um, we got the a chapter. King's Men. Yeah, the cha- we got a chapter at St. Luke. Um, and that's been a, we've, as Grapevine, our young adult ministry, have we've been a funnel for them to a degree. And we also have a young couples ministry that just started. Uh, that's def we're going to definitely be a funnel for because we have, Probably yeah. about three couples, you know, on the cusp here, uh, two of them engaged. Yeah. But Xavier, you had a That's question. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was more just what's coming through here in this is just a lot of your vision about what the purpose is. Because I think, um, at least with a lot of the young adult groups or wherever, it just kind of looks like people are like, hey, I kind of want to hang out with other people my age who are Catholic, and then they start something. And then if, if you know Pete Burrock with um, Intentional mm-hmm. Disciples, he's got his whole thing on the, the death cycle, you know, like three years go by, people age out. But I really like, and I wish we were doing a, a better job of this personally, um, you know, we have day jobs and whatnot, so it, it we do what we can, but that, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. When I got out of college, I, it was, you know, 2020, and I was just like, where can I go? What can, like, where do I go with my life? And I think that's a common, that that's what happens. It's like people age into out of school years where you're sort of on a track with people around you and life has a good, like an easy path to follow. And then you hit these early years of adulthood and most people like don't have a parish, they call home, don't necessarily have a solid group of friends that is based around the faith. And without something like what you've, are doing and describing, there's really no way to plug in easily or, or at all. Like we have the old ladies ministries and the men's ministries and the youth groups, but there's this gap that now is being filled where you can come out of that stage of life and then into the transitional stage. And I think, I think what you're doing that we might not be doing so well is you're directing people to the next thing well. We're still kind of focusing on just what's on the ground, but that opportunity to move through the young adult group, not just into it. And so people like what the, the big problem I wanted to sort of solve with myself personally and then to help other people was like have somewhere to land after college. You can yeah. be in the church, 
But it's like the next step is where do you land after that and trying to have, trying to force anything probably is going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of just like thinking out loud here. What do you, what do you think on this? Well, you've closed the gap, Chris. We've, we're getting closer to closing the gap. Now the chasm that whoever comes to our ministry has to cross is much, uh, it's, it's much uh, closer or it's like less wide than um it ever has been but for you it's like they're on their way you set them on a track to the next thing which is great but um yeah what's your response to that i guess yeah and i and yeah Xavier, that's exactly what kind of i've been thinking about because really the first couple year and a half to two years really was like okay landing place for people after college. That really was the focus. So I, I, yeah, I'm right there with you on that. And then I think it really didn't kind of truly change. Because even the discipleship communities were still kind of like, okay, this is, you know, a deeper thing that the young adults can do. But it really, I think, wasn't until, like, Father David started kind of showing me the broader vision of the parish. Because, um, you know, I took over, like, the RCIA classes, and he said, like, okay, I need you to, you know, try to do some get some theories or something started for the just general adults and start playing around with what works there. And so it wasn't until Father David really started showing me the broader vision that he sees as the pastor that the need for, that I started actually seeing the need for, okay, like, yeah, is this just going to be another group or is it going to be kind of like what you're saying, just like a part of the path that these young adults are going on that they'll continue going on. So, yeah, I'd say for sure that especially this past year has been really focused on that. But then that also kind of happened just because my other responsibilities were taking more and more precedent over the young adult group just because it was already kind of well oiled in what was going on. You know, obviously I was still working at it, but, you know, there were already things going on and people. And so I needed to just make keep it consistent and, you know, make tweaks instead of major changes. And so then that gave me the opportunity then to really start looking at, okay, what is the next thing? Because I think you're right that, you know, that is kind of the next step to like first get a young adult group started, but then it's like, okay, these people are starting to age out. They're, you know, getting married and having kids and what's, what's, uh, and all of that. And so like, what is kind of the next step? And so I think that really is the natural for the young adult groups that stick around, you know, cause I get, I watched that interview with Pete. Um, and yeah, so for those ones that stick around, it's like, okay, but, what does it mean to be a Catholic and how do we live that at every stage and not just in college ministry, but even thinking broader, like, okay, where did they come from and where are they going? Instead of, and, you know, obviously that takes the ability to take a step back and that means having the leadership team in place so that way you can take a step back and focus on the broader vision. Um, and really, you know, it's helped that we had a very good pastor to help really encourage, you know, continuing to, develop that broader vision. But yeah, I think that's, I think it's definitely the next step of every young adult group that is, you know, around for more than two years, really. If you can last past two years or three years, then it's like, okay, kind of what is the next step for the people who are getting older and older as they go along? Um, right. Which I think is, you know, again, it's something that every young adult group as they keep, again, because we don't want just young adult groups to survive we do want them to thrive. We don't want them just to be around just for the sake of being around. We want them to be around. So that way we can create more and more disciples who are, you know, again, I love the word, how we throw around like, oh, Catholic disciples and, 
you know, disciple, missionary disciples and all of this, which are all necessary terms because we've all forgotten what it means to be a disciple anyway. Mm-hmm. And so really showing people what it just means to be a Catholic again, which is being a disciple. And most people being a Catholic is just, oh, I go to Mass on Sundays and, you know, I baptize my kids. And then, you know, maybe we go to confession. Right. But it really is like this this radical life that we're called to live where we will be countercultural countercultural and we will be, you know, persecuted and but we'll have the great joy that, you know, Saint Paul talks about in Philippians. And so just how do we how can we have that in every single one of our groups? Because then once we can if we can do that, then it'll be easy from one person to go from one group to the other and back and forth because we all have the idea of like, okay, we're called to be true disciples of Christ, to become like Christ, to be, you know, in love with Christ. And so we can bounce even from group to group. Like maybe I'll help out the youth ministry for a couple of years, and then maybe then I'll jump to, you know, the men's ministry. Then I'll jump to the, you know, helping out with the marriage prep group or whatever it may be, because we all have each group is focused on just becoming like Christ, but in their, you know, with their own focus. So I think that's huge is really, again, putting on the mind of Christ, putting on the mind of the of Mother Church and seeing, okay, what is the church's even vision for this? Like, what has the church taught for, mm-hmm. you know, and thousands of years on how to live life? Praise God for people moving on, growing, even if uh, somebody mm-hmm. on your leadership team, for instance, goes to a different city for, for a new job. That's great. You know, the, the Spirit has likely... Uh, I hope it's likely that the spirit places that opportunity in front of them for them to grow. And, you know, one, one, you know, being in our position as leaders here, uh, we shouldn't begrudge uh, or, you know, um, dread somebody leaving in the future. It's a natural, it's a natural order of things. And really we got to welcome that and see it as, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an opportunity for both. Um, And really kind of, got that idea uh, from Pete. And um, yes. speaking of that, um, and maybe this is one of the last points we'll hit. I know there's there's so many things that we can cover with you, Chris. You know, we'd like to maybe continue this conversation at some, some point in the future. But um, regarding intentional disciples, uh, you've worked with them for X number of years. I know you told me, um, but, you know, maybe you can give – uh, just elaborate on, on how you've worked with them, but can you give us just a, um, just a brief recap of your experience? You know, this is actually something Xavier and I have been considering doing for our ministry is just having them come on to consult us. Uh, what was your experience with them and how'd you like working with them and, um, that sort of thing? Um, yeah, so we started working with them probably, again, about six months after we got the normal group going. And so it's been about two and a half to almost three years now ago now. So I know that, again, our pastor, because he had been kind of putting his feelers out for what was going on in the young adult Catholic world. And so whenever he hired us, he had already had the idea of, you know, ch- having us check out intentional disciples and seeing what we thought. So, yeah, because we checked out a couple different things just to see what was going on in the Catholic world and what was working. So we met up with with uh, ID and we started working. We chose to work with them. And it's been ultimately it's been really great because, again, it's been kind of changing throughout the years we've been doing it based on our individual needs. And they've been extremely good. Uh, I've been working with Rachel Herbeck and she's been awesome and really good at 
as a team, even they've been praying well with, okay, how do we really meet their needs as we're continuing to grow these communities and continue to, again, like have this, you know, decently large regular group that kind of does funnel into the, uh, the discipleship communities. And so we kind of got started, you know, handpicking some people that we knew would be involved. And we went through just the, the training that was, they had. And, um, yeah, it's just been really, really good because the training that they had for the discipleship communities was uh, very helpful to have put on the mind of what they were to really cast the vision. Because I think casting the vision for the discipleship communities was very important because it was dedicated to what they call up in and out. So, you know, prayer, communal prayer and prayer together and support each other in prayer to good intentional community, both on your community nights and, you know, just throughout the week and throughout the month and throughout the year. And then evangelization, like how do we like truly evangelize in our daily lives and individually, but also together, how can we like as a group truly evangelize the neighborhood that we're in or whatever it may be. And so that first group yeah, the groups are still the groups are still running. They're still, you know, working and trying to continue to develop their groups. And um, yeah, but then throughout the years, we've changed something every year, kind of the way we went around training, with the way we chose people, the way we funneled people in. Um, and Rachel and the team have been very helpful with working with us. Like this year, we're doing something completely, you know, different. Not completely different. Obviously, it's still generally the same thing. But you know, the first year we did a, uh, I forget how many weeks training, but we did this, you know, 12 week training where we met every week and did the training. And then we kind of launched the discipleship communities then, but now the way we're doing it this year, and this is, you know, through Rachel and I praying together and really working together on this and planning together. And, you know, since they've been working us for years now, they kind of understand our community pretty well. So now what we're doing is this group is going to launch immediately into their community but it's just once a month we're going to have a formation night where there's going to be a video or I'm going to present the topic and the discussion. So that way, you know, they have this ongoing formation for the first nine months of the community. So that way they really understand the vision of the community and um, yeah, the vision for evangelization as a Catholic, but then they also get to practice the different rhythms of life that um, we are focusing on. Again, so really, practicing living community together and you know sharing testimonies with one another whether it's you know big testimony or like a interaction they had that week so really slowly but surely working on these rhythms and working on the the formation you know and but incorporating it all into one month but little at little bite-sized pieces instead of kind of front-loading a bunch of training and then saying like okay we're going to launch now and so they've been great working with us throughout the years um, because I know, especially with this group, the slow but steady formation with the really incorporating the rhythms of up in and out that they focus on is going to be very helpful. Because then once the training's over, they're already used to living out the life of the discipleship community. And they've kind of learned what, you know, ID teaches. And then they can kind of tweak it based on the needs of the group Um and really, you know, live out the community, how they're called to live out the community, but still focusing on the core tenets of up, in, and out. So, so, yeah, they've been great and just very good to pray with us and work with us. And, um, again, like I know they're flying down this later this month, and we're going to have a little uh, retreat 
to kind of launch the discipleship community I have going on. So do they and, uh, do they train ahead. the individual leaders for the discipleship communities too? And in, in addition to working with you, like you connect your discipleship community people with intentional disciples. Correct. Yeah. So the whole group goes through the training together, and then um, the idea is once they you know, have all gone. So this is, you know, again, like 12 people going through this training all together. And then kind of once the training's done, they're open to if they would like inviting more people into it. But the idea is not to, you know, okay, we have 12 people. Now we're going to all at once kind of invite 24 more people. And then we're going to have this giant group, but to slowly as the spirit moves to invite people in, help them get accustomed to the lifestyle of the discipleship community really see the vision of the discipleship community and then one day if and this should happen ultimately it hasn't happened yet for us but it should happen eventually for groups that are thriving eventually like you know the group will grow naturally and then it'll kind of get too big and so then it might split into two different groups and something that i've been thinking about because jacksonville is very large and spread out so like i'm a part of a discipleship community and sometimes i have to drive 30 minutes to get to you know, somebody's house for dinner. And so even the way our discipleship communities are looking is they're starting to get more localized. So let's just say, you know, kind of what's ending up happening is there's this group up in, you know, central Jacksonville. Then there's this group in more, you know, the beaches Jacksonville. And so that's kind of what it's turning into. But that really, the breaking off really only happens once, you know, the, the community is thriving. They have a vision that's well set. And so when they invite new people into the community, they they're not, they're able to they don't need to go through the training because they're just living it already with the people who have already gone through the training and so truly everybody in the group is a leader normally there's going to be like for example since ours is kind of focused on holy family there'll be a there'll be somebody that will be kind of my touch point person for each community just so i can keep it kind of keep updated make sure they're doing okay see if they need anything from the parish itself but really everybody in the community is a leader and when you invite new people in they truly learn how to live the life of the community just because the community itself is living it. So that's kind of the vision for that. And ultimately one day the groups will grow and then they will get, you know, cause once you get 20 people, it's getting kind of large or 25 people is a very large group for meeting at somebody's house for dinner. And so splitting it into, yeah, two groups of 12 people or, you know, 12 and 13. And then maybe that split will be based on, you know, location, like it kind of is ending up being for us, but really it could be also be a split based on, okay, this group really is focused on this mission, this evangelization. And this group is really more generally focused on this evangelization. So we're going to kind of split based on mission, almost callings. And so that by each group will really work with ID and myself to kind of discern that again, it hasn't quite happened yet, but um, that's kind of where we're going is inviting more people in because kind of like what, something you said earlier was, you know, if somebody moves, let's say, like praise God because that person will have the tools to go and start, you know, a community of their own, whether it's like an official ID community, intentional disciples community, or whether it's just the people on their street. Yeah, that's you know, that is live the life. That sounds yeah, man. amazing. Um, I guess we're we're kind of running on time here, so I'm going to ask one last question and maybe we close out okay. with a final thought or two. What's just one sort of memorable moment or a success story that you, something, you know, like it's, you're having a down day or something. And you can just remember that one and it 
it's inspiring? I would say the first time that I like took a month off of doing the Thursday nights, you know, cause I was leading them, even if there was a video, but I was still kind of leading the group and I was still, you know, up there doing some announcements and whatever. But I remember there was this one month when I actually let the people who are going through the, I had the people who are going through the training for with intentional disciples. They came and each led one of the Thursday nights for the month. And then I just, I didn't even show up those months cause I was just tired. That was kind of the year that I was really just tired. And, hmm. you know, I was probably kind of getting burnt out really, you know, I was, you know, just had just gotten married, you know, we we're trying to have a kid and, you know, it was just a lot going on. And so I said that moment of realizing that, you know, this group is not completely reliant on me. Now there's still steps I need to take that if I ever left, you know, to make sure the group is still set up for success, but to realize that I don't have to be around for the group to thrive. So I think that was really just a great realization. So now even I've taken, I do a series, maybe a six week series, and then I let individuals do a series, you know, maybe it's a, you know, one person like last month, yeah, last month, somebody talked on the, our father and somebody talked on this other topic and somebody else talked on identity. And then I, that gave me a couple weeks of break from, you know, planning talks or whatever it may be to just recharge, focus on some of my other parish work and then come back. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me is realizing I could take a step back if I needed to. Um, that's great. Allow yeah, the man. community to do what they needed. To Thank do. you for for building something great here, man. It's it's guarantee it's changed many lives more than you know. You know, you're storing up treasures in heaven, and you'll really only know to what effect when you get there, right? Yeah, praise yeah. God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk with us. Um, this was really good, and actually, I think I think Anthony is right. We could. Definitely dive into some of the things in the future, maybe even deep dive a few particulars if you'd be interested. But uh, just really grateful you took the time. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. It's been a, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Chris. All right, that's yeah. all, folks. Thank you, everybody. We hope you were inspired by this podcast, and we encourage you to share it on social media and warmly invite you to distribute our Catholic scapulars, medals, books, and booklets to your family, friends, parish, and social groups. Visit us online at catholiccity.com for more information. The real work of the Mary Foundation is accomplished by people just like you. There are three ways to help. First, please pray for everyone who hears, reads, or wears our materials. Second, share them with everyone you know, family, friends, fellow parishioners, and the people you work with. Only you can reach them. Finally, please help us financially. It seems impossible, but we don't do traditional fundraising here at the Mary Foundation. We rely on your generosity and God's providence. By the way, if you, your parish, or your Catholic group would like to distribute our materials by the dozens, hundreds, or even thousands, all we ask for is help covering our materials costs. So please visit us online for suggested donations. For our Canadian friends and those outside the United States, only online requests are accepted, so please refer to the special shipping rates listed on our website. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to working with you. May God bless you always. And now, here's a short preview of our Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet, the most popular rosary recording in the history of the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For an increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, 
and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without permission is prohibited.